is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome to Filthy Shambles, Season 2, Episode 44, day after the bank holiday, a couple of days after what happened at Anfield, which I'm, I'm still trying to recover from, but I'm not alone, thankfully. Um, I'm joined by Adam, Adam Nathan. Welcome, mate. Thank you. Um, we kind of need to help each other through this. <laughs> uh, I, I had this, uh, as you do, like, you know, Three three thirty in the morning, kind of woke up and had this kind of in a monologue, whatever stream of consciousness about the game. And I, I just, I've, by the way, I'm not on Twitter at the minute. I'm not on social media at the minute. I've just taken a little bit of a break because it just got really repetitive. Same nonsense being chatted about. I'm not saying everyone talks a lot of nonsense, but I know that I I can do when I'm triggered by certain things. And I thought, you know what? Let me just isolate myself. I don't need to be in an echo chamber. I don't need to hear my thoughts being uh, voiced by other individuals. Let me just see how I feel about Tottenham without any outside interference. And this is my little story from the Sunday game. Before the game, I did not give a shit. I didn't care. And it's not that I don't care about Tottenham. I care dearly, obsessively about Tottenham Hotspur. But I just I had no emotion other than, than being numb to yet another game that we need to get through to get through to the summer. And I sat down and I was watching it with someone. I said, you know what? Let's not, you know, we're not going to get excited about this, are we really? We, we we're probably going to lose. It's probably the way it's going to play out. We're probably going to go two or three down in the first 20, 25 minutes, which is an easy thing to predict this, these days. And we're not going to feel anything from it. So there's no point getting angry about the same thing every week. Obviously, we go 3-0 down, and I'm thinking, well, there you go. The second half changed that completely. And I, and I don't know whether it's because we've been starved of proper football from from a, a group of players that know how to play properly. But it brought me back into it. I cared again. I cared, and it was maybe it was the injustice of, of losing the way that we lost and the red card not being given and, and all the other little narratives playing in, in, in during the game. Something pulled me back in um, just when I thought I was out. And 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 I was and, I, and there was this kind of this tiny percentage, this kind of teaser of siege mentality that I, I this affinity I had with the, the, the players again, even though you know we gave the game away in those opening 20 minutes as 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 you know there's no argument there that's where we lost the game it wasn't really lost on the red card that wasn't given in the rest of it but i cared again and i want to care i want to care just about tottenham i don't want to care about everything else that's going on around and until everything around disappears because of the football i do feel that i'm going to be I'm going to be jumping from numbness to to to, to extreme desire uh, <laughs> to 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 have Tottenham just just wake up and and show show us what they really are as opposed to what we're seeing now, which is a bit of a ghost, a bit of a shadow of a, of a team. Um, did they pull you back in? 
It reminded me, uh, I don't know if you remember in the Mourinho season, we lost 2-1 to West Ham at their place um, in like February time, I would say. We went 2-0 down, Lingard scored a goal like five seconds after half time. It was farcical how quickly mm. we conceded. Mm. And then he brought Bale on and he got an assist from a corner straight away. He then hit the bar with a I remember now. shot yeah. from like yeah. third. And that, I think that was the first time in about three weeks, um, maybe even a month, two months, that I got up off my seat and made any utterance of sort of interest to do with Spurs because we'd had that little run of losing at home to Chelsea, losing away at Brighton, going out of a couple of cups, and it was utterly miserable. Um, but there was that moment of like, oh, as bad as it is to lose a game, how nice is it to feel something again? And I was actually there on Sunday morning, give or take. I think I, I tweeted out that whatever happens today, it's quite nice to go into a game knowing that at least your manager cares and, and that's... You know, after seeing one half of, of decent football against United, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like they can take me on the, on their ride again. Yeah. And all, I mean, I was about to quote retweet myself at 4.45 saying, look, what a prick this is when it's 3-0 down and they've folded like a deck of cards again. But um, there was always something in the game from 15 minutes on to kind of keep you not fully reclined in the sofa. You know, there was the Kulisevsky miss, then we hit the post, then Kane scored. And I said to my dad at half time. It wouldn't stun me if we won this, like in a kind of fit of half rage, half lunacy. <laughs> uh, and, and so it nearly transpired. Um, there's something about Anfield that we always seem to go there and do well and then ruin it in the most catastrophic of yeah, ways. Yeah, we don't play badly up there. Like no. uh, ha having, having not won up there since the Titanic sunk before uh, <laughs> Garth Crooks scored in the 1-0 win, I think, during the 80s. It, like we had a dismal record at Anfield, but in recent times... We're not shy of going up there and, and a bit playing on the front foot. And we should have beaten them countless times in the last several seasons. And yeah, I know we've done it at, at home, three, but not, not on their ground. Three times in the last five years there, we've lost the game with the last kick of the game. I mean, that that's quite something even for us. Yeah, that's, um, that, that, is, that is bizarre. That is bizarre. And all in, all in ways you just can't even conceive how they happen. But... Look, at this stage of the season, the Champions League was lost uh, against Newcastle and then probably compounded against Man United. If we were going to have any chance, we were going to have to beat them and go on a run. So I think all we can look for at the moment is traits and just stuff that you can hang your hat on for next year or stuff that you yeah. can say, well, look, I can see something there where it all looked like we were in complete just desolation and despair. Outside of three or four players in the squad... It's amazing how when Spurs play on the front foot, they look twice the team. And the most frustrating thing about all of it is that I think every fan's been saying that for about, well, the, the duration of this season. Why aren't we playing more on the front foot? Why are we just waiting there, sitting there to be beaten? And at 2-0 down against Man United and at 3-0 down against Liverpool, um, not only did we basically completely change how we play, but yeah. you know the, the common thought would be, well, if you try and attack too much, you just get picked off. I don't think, apart from Bruno Fernandes hitting the crossbar with that weird thing as soon as we made it 2-1, when we've been attacking in the last two games, I don't think we've really given up a chance. Mm. Like it's, it's not like mm. it's been end-to-end -end basketball. We've actually controlled the games when we've tried to play on the front foot. And that doesn't surprise me. I don't, you know, they're not 
as bad a players as it's made out with the way in which they're playing. Uh, well, okay, this this is my 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 favourite worst discussion point because I, you know, often get into little disagreements with 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 mates over it's the players, it's the managers, and it's a bit of a meme now. Every time, every time we do get slapped about by the opposition, and it's all it, of them. It, the oh, players are hundred percent. Absolutely, is all of them hundred percent bad players. They're not bad players. They're badly coached, and and even even Gary Neville said something quite pragmatically obvious. You know, when you have two or three managers that have played football that is de- detrimental, not just not just to the point of what football should be about. And I, and I get this, there, there's teams that are defensive and they counter-attack and the rest of it. But football should be on the front foot, right? It should be about trying to score because that's, mm. that's you know, that's exactly what you need to do to win games. I mean, it's, it's simplicity. But when we've had two or three managers that have played very defensive, very kind of anti-football in, in, in that it's very much giving up possession, sitting back and this kind of constraint and, and however you want to describe it, whether it's elite football with elite players or not, it's it's not football that's befitting our heritage and what we expect and the players that we actually have. And it's and it does so it does, I mean we absolutely pulled them apart in that second half with with ease, right? And look at the players we've got. I mean, Kane is unquestionably one of the best in the country, one of the best in the world. But Son's had an like a, a, a super erratic season. He's mostly been crap for for the best part of it. And and yet, when we attack, we look like scoring. So logically, you'd think, play to your strengths. Logically, you'd think, if you're playing as an attacking team, you're likely to be three or two or three up against most football teams in, in the league um, before you need to worry about how, how bad your defence is. Unfortunately, our defence is extremely bad at the moment, just in terms of... You know they do not look like a unit. They do not know what their positioning is meant to be. They look like they've given up. That they're fed up. That they're. they're I'm not saying they don't care. It's just that there's something missing. Like the the the, the fundamentals are missing, and that and that is a consequence of not just the last four years, but also the way this season has gone. Because there's something that you said, and I want you to talk about it. Um, Having someone like Ryan Mason, who obviously is not tactically astute to the level of the type of manager that we we probably do need to to hire in the summer, um, and and I'm not saying he's he, he's any better than uh, well, he's obviously not better than Antonio Conte and, and Mourinho and, and and one or two others in terms of experience and and and, and coaching and the rest of it. However, it is fucking wonderful to have someone stand there and 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 fight in with words. For the badge that he's talking, he's protecting, he he's building that siege mentality in the, in a couple of games that he's had, uh, w- without this constant um, to kind of begrudging hatefulness that Conte had. You know, I, I I don't care. I know people. I know people might listen to this. Certain people will listen to this and think, here he goes again, tone policing, which is something I got accused of uh, the other day when I when I dare to say. Have a look at Everton, and then and then think about how well we've been running compared to them. And people see that as me being a Levy apologist, where all I'm <laughs> doing is 
look at Everton's history in terms of titles and 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 the rest of the rest of what they've achieved compared to us as well. One of the most successful clubs in the country, and they're going to get relegated, probably. Um, and you, and you know you 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 look at you look at you look at Spurs in comparison, and you look at the players that we we had at the start of the season off the back of the momentum of last season. And Conte thought, nah, I, I, well, let's not attack. Let's just actually revert back to some prehistoric system and, and sit back and let the football degrade. And like an idiot, I defended that for too long. So, yeah, blame Levy for appointing the wrong manager. But in the moment, Conte is is being showcased now as being a bit of a fraud for what he did uh, this season in, in that he, he spent all his time slagging us off in press conferences, you know, and it, the reality was... His football was not good enough. Um, and I'm just glad. I mean, wh- what are your thoughts on Mason at the minute? Just the way he's conducting himself. A- a- anything you want to pick out in terms of his tactical uh, um, uh, kind of manoeuvres? Because a lot is probably being said at half time, right? And then they come out and play completely differently. But he did, he did bring on Lucas Mora on Sunday. So he kind of won us back the game and then lost us the game, if you want to be really harsh about it. Yeah, I mean, I that was a weird change because we were crossing the ball quite mm. well and he took off both of our crosses for two sort of wide forwards that were unlikely to have the same impact. But, you know, let, let's... And I, I suppose if you're saying that we're sort of biased towards the club, you could say, oh, well, you would do that. But let, let's throw out a substitution on the 89th minute when you're chasing a game because teams do that all the time and, and yeah. you know, nothing ever happens from it. So if you throw that to one side... I, I would say that basically every other change he's made in the last two games has worked in the way in which he's wanted it to work. Mm-hmm. You know, against Man United, and, and I'm happy to say that, well, happy, I, I wasn't thrilled with his decision to kill the game for the last 10 minutes mm-hmm. because I thought we were really on top. And in an atmosphere like that, having having grabbed, the, you know, dragged the way back into the game, I wouldn't have been disappointed in that environment to lose the game 3-2 trying to chase a 3-2 win because that's just you know when I go to a game that ultimately didn't mean an awful lot I I would have been happy with that but Mason managed to both ramp up the game from a football perspective and then completely kill it with substitutions which is quite impressive for for a young manager you know that I mean that last 10 minutes was fucking bilge against United but that's what he wanted it to be and and it worked exactly as he wanted then he said he changed it to 3-5-2 you know strategically on Sunday and then made the change for Saar for for Kulisevsky which I said well what's he doing this for you know this is just a He's just sacrificing the game here. It, th- that that sub to me looked like we can't afford to get battered six or seven again. So we're just going to lose it three one. And again, prove me completely wrong because it pushed Sun up, it pushed Kane up, um, and then obviously you know Richarlison comes on. That works, and I'm, I'm thrilled for him, albeit in awful circumstances in the long run. I'm really pleased for him that he's got his goal uh, in a position like that. And I thought he played well again, Richarlison. That there's. There's enough there for me to cling on to the fact there's a decent player going going forward for Spurs. Yeah. Just, just had a lost year, unfortunately. Um, and then obviously the Mora sub, which is bizarre because I thought Porro was playing actually pretty well from an attacking standpoint. I mean, there's a player more than anyone that looks completely re-energised when we become an attacking team versus a defensive team. Yes. Um, and if you look at players like Trent or Zinchenko, I mean, they're not great defenders. 
but the way in which they play maximizes what they're good at and minimizes yeah. what they're bad at. Yeah. And really, that's what modern management is for me now. For, like, as reductive as it is, I think you either play the right way in 2023 or you don't. And there's not many teams that are doing particularly well, certainly the top end of the tables in Europe that are not playing the game the right way. So the first thing we have to do going forward is find someone that wants to play in a proactive front foot way. Um, and I think the ultimate thing about Mason is it's it's such a shame that he wasn't given all 10 games by which to, to prove himself because these six games after the calamity at Newcastle, having lost to Bournemouth, what are they really fighting for from a, a tangible you know, outlook. And the, mm. the irony is, as they didn't trust Mason by the sounds of things to have all 10 games because of his inexperience. But had he had those 10 games and was able to have Everton, Brighton, Bournemouth, which are not easy games, but games where perhaps we can go and dominate in certainly two of those three games and we can see how he wants to manage. And maybe we pick up seven points instead of four points out of those games and, and we're right in it going up to Newcastle. So I think it, it's... As, as ironic as it is disappointing that Mason's inexperience or perceived lack of experience may cost him having a, a fair crack at the audition because I'm seeing enough right now that if you extrapolated this over 20, 25 games, if this is how he's going to manage long term, you know, Arthur Nagelsmann, is there anyone I'd absolutely prefer to him? I don't think so. But six games like this is not long enough to see if it is enough. It's a fascinating discussion, right? Because, like, what you said is I'm compelled to to think about it, to consider it. I think part of me at the minute wants someone to come in and hit the ground running, and 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 and, and for us to be able to bring in players from from the continent or, or wherever, you know, off the back of the manager that we have. That there there has to be, you know, it's, it's about it's it's as much about the, the, the footballing brand, and I, and I don't mean that in a commercial sense, I just mean in terms of identity and philosophy. And a lot of pit players on the continent might look at Spurs and think, well, like who is Ryan Mason exactly? And I'm not saying that's a detriment to us bringing in players. You look at Arteta, slightly more successful, well, definitely more successful footballer, right? He had a full career and he was at, we, we was at Man City with Pep. So it's it's slightly less of a difficult choice for for potential signings to say, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll jump on, 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 on to that particular uh, boat and, 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 and trudge through the swamp uh, in that part of London and join that rat army uh, that they've got over there. Um, Whereas with Mason, I think maybe it is still too early based on what you've said, that we can't really judge him over the, the, the handful of games that he's got left this season. And you're right, like like at the moment, it doesn't look like he's got a hand on the defence, but then the, the defence is absolutely shambolic uh, in, in more ways than one, just, just individually... In, in in terms of like I said, they're not a unit. They're not working together, you know. And obviously, that's where we might we we might miss Conte a little bit because of the 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 kind of hyper discipline that he instills in, in in players in terms of what they need to be doing with their every step. Um, it, it is interesting. Mason is definitely definitely you know. I know Dan, who's, who's on the pod regularly, always talks Mason up as being as being someone who's going to be Spurs manager, you know, at some point in the future. Um, I think he needs, to, he needs to, he needs to be on the coaching team, hopefully with uh, Nagelsmann, uh, if and when he's appointed. And then after that, then he'll probably be given the job 
um, would be my very lame prediction. It's a very easy thing to, to predict at this point because where the hell else do we turn? You know, I mean, by then Pochettino will probably have been sacked by Chelsea, so we can always mm. uh, re-entertain that. Uh, just going back to the game, then, I mean, what did you, what did you make of that comeback? Because uh, again, I know that the United game was was on the Thursday, and I, I, uh, because of the weekend, I didn't record a podcast uh, in the aftermath. Um, but we, we were still first half, second half team, right? That, that's something that we definitely uh, kept from from Conte's uh, tenure. Uh, the first half is an absolute shambles, and then the second half seems to be us pulling our socks up and then and realizing, look, look, what we're doing here. You know, we're underperforming. I mean, what, 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 what do you think is right? Let's start. Let's actually start with the defense, right? And we move to the midfield and the attack. Like with the attack, there's not that much to say other than they slap. They they work. They know what they're doing. The the quality and the vision and and the pace that we have. They deliver, right? The midfield, we know, can still be a little bit um, uh, overwhelmed by numbers because because of the way that we set up. But Mason's tried to change that. But the defence, Adam, like Romero is not a bad player, yet people are having discussions about how bad he is. <laughs> Eric Dyer is just completely missing in action. And I know he's 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 one of the big scapegoats. And yes, we do probably need to move on, and he probably needs to move on to rejuvenate his own career. I think there's a lot of players in this squad, in this team, that are carrying emotional baggage. And I don't, and I, and I think to go back to the players versus manager aspect, when you have got a team that should be far more progressive in output, being told not to play in that way, it's a, it's an exhausting drain on these players, no doubt. I'm not saying they forget how to be expressive or they forget how to position themselves but these guys are as broken as the managerial system we have in place at a board level when appointing managers and then assigning players for those managers to play football that we do not want to watch so what is wrong with with these players right this moment can they be fixed what do we need to 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 kind of shift on in the summer and I, i know what you're going to say with that but i've I'll let you uh, take the mic. Um, I think I, I've thrown Romero's season out altogether, which uh, perhaps is overly generous. Um, and perhaps I wouldn't be so forgiving with uh, a lesser profile player, but I don't think he's going to have a season as emotionally tolling as this one. What with yeah. the World Cup, um, he's had a couple of injuries, whether or not they were genuine or whether all eyes were on Qatar. Um, and for me, he looks like Vertonghen did uh, in the AVB Tim Sherwood season where he just mailed it in. Um, and I specifically remember saying that I wanted Vertonghen sold, let go on a free transfer, gotten rid of under any circumstances and click into Pochettino's era and he becomes a Tottenham borderline great with five years of incredible performances. And I'm I'm really keen not to make the same uh, declarations that could lead to mistakes with Romero as they may do with Vertonghen. He doesn't deserve that sympathy. He doesn't deserve that benefit of the doubt. But, you know, what what's the point? Otherwise, I, I think he's just mailed it in, um, which is unacceptable. But footballers don't need any second excuse to do such a thing. Um, Dyer, although I, in an emotional... Uh, 
explosive declaration on Thursday night at Spurs declared that the root of all evil in the world uh, descends from Eric Dyer's head, uh, which may have been slightly harsh. Um, he is one of my least favourite players, but I do think he's been hung out to dry from a squad building perspective because there's no one else that can come in and play that position. And that guy is completely shot for confidence. Um, yeah. You can see it in his eyes, the way he's playing, the passing. There was that little uh, clip that people have made a meme of on Sunday where he tried to sweep a ball out that got cleared into the box. Then he tried to slide tackle it and it went to Forster. The guy is completely, completely shot mentally. And it's borderline irresponsible, I think, to be actually trotting him out every week to play in such an important position. Um, Whilst obviously, I'm sure some of it is self-inflicted from him, um, and I've come back to this a lot, while whatever people may think of a player like Joe Rodon, the decision to let him go out on loan and bring no one else in who is capable of playing in the centre of the back three just beggars belief now, now that you look at it. It just doesn't, from a squad building perspective, that's just a baffling decision. Um, like, what if he got injured, for one thing, Dyer, which he has been on plenty of occasions in the past, had six to eight week injuries. Who would have even played in that position? Um and now I think Dyer is having to suffer for like a Paratici ill, really, of of just leaving an enormous hole in the squad that maybe we didn't consider at the start of the season because we thought we had just about six centre-halves for three positions, but quite lopsided towards the, the sides um, mm. of that back three. And whilst Dyer has had as poor a season as I can ever remember a Spurs player having without being dropped... I'm not willing to blame him entirely for it because I think he's been hung out to dry a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I like the guy. I, I, again, I'm very protective of, of the Tottenham and, and the player. I, I, I don't like scapegoating. If players are not good enough, if players need to be moved on, then that's fine. You can you can simply say that. You can you can you can converse with other people and say I think this player needs to be sold. But obviously, we're very colourful. Um, and uh, emotional. Uh, I mean, anyone that follows football, it tends to be a little bit colourful and a little bit emotional. And you know, if you're not slagging someone off or saying that you hate them, then it it's it, there's no value in 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 the, in the conversation. Unfortunately, everyone has to exaggerate everything. You know, when you look at the context of it, the, the thing that always baffles me is why why we often look to loan players out. Like, there's this. I don't know. I don't know whether. It's the players not wanting to sit on the bench. I don't know if it's the manager that doesn't fancy them that they think they can be, uh, they can progress their career by playing week in week out, which is a fair, uh, you know, fair argument to be made. But but where's the depth? Where's the rotation? And 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 I guess it comes back to that ultimately. Conte did not like to rotate. He didn't like to use the players that he had on the bench. And then, then often he would he would make. I mean, you have to go back early in the season for this, but the whole Kulusevski Richarlison thing at the start of the season was borderline weird. You know, one player's in form, one player's not playing. Let's just swap them out, and it just it kind of, it kind of breaks up the synergy. It breaks up the momentum that you, you're trying to build towards. The you know the the, the complete lack of respect towards uh, uh, Spence. I mean, when you I know high, uh, hindsight is a bit of a cheat mode, but you look at the season now, you know, so what if he wasn't ready for the Premier League? He, he probably would have been ready within the two or three games, to be fair. And maybe he he, he might have needed that to realise, oh, fuck, I'm not actually ready. Actually, you know what? 
let me go to France, let me go on loan. But the way that we 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 have handled that and not looked at the uh, how agile we're not, but we're blatantly not agile in any in any in any way, um, and not prepared for the potential for place to burn out or, or or to to just not be in form. Again, it's just it's criminal. It's criminal mismanagement. Whether it's the coach, whether it's the director of football, whether it's the the, the chairman. I mean, it's completely shared. I'm I'm quite happy to scapegoat the output of the football club. Um, I'm I'm less likely to be doing that. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just just boring now that I'm I've hit you know half a century and and I just I just don't like being hyper aggressive towards players that have given everything for 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 Spurs, you know, and that there have been good moments with Eric Dyer, but he is someone as well who we've never really settled on a position for him. Mm. You know, we have played him everywhere and it's, it's, that's probably not helped his, his development, you know. Um, I, I talk Larice. you know, Longley is probably going to go back on to Barcelona or on Lowe, yeah. so I don't mind if he's re-signed for a cut price fee. I think he's fine. Uh, I presume Dan Juma will go, but again, I'm happy if they can find the money to sign him. But Mora is obviously gone. Yeah. Outside of outside of that, I mean, Larice, Dyer, and Hoiberg, the three players that I think need to go, or at least need to be far less important in the squad. Everyone else, I think, can play. Yeah. Or, or can be made into someone that can be a positive asset to this team. Um I'm not you, worried. I'm not worried no, in, in the long term. I, I, I think Spurs, off, I've said this many times, I'll, I'll repeat myself, I, we're failing at the very highest level. We're, we're, we're not mediocre. In, well, we're, we're mediocre at the minute, no doubt. But, when, but in terms of the capacity for what we do have, if, we're, if we're, we're getting everything right at a basic level, we're top four or fifth, right? And that's just just consistent. What we need to do is be a lot better than that in order to challenge and contend and always guarantee not just finishing top four and getting Champions League, which brings in better players, but being able to tap at that door. And I know it's 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 a hard door to tap at, but to get to, to get near Man City is almost impossible. But you need to have that energy where you believe that you can do that in case City mm. have a funny season. I mean, City are relentless this season and yet because nobody else is awake Arsenal have been made to look a lot better than they are they've been there's no pressure on them they're always a club that thrives under not having any pressure and then they kind of crumble when the pressure's on now imagine a season where Spurs are incredibly good and then Chelsea are incredibly good and and, and chuck in United and Liverpool and suddenly you're thinking bloody hell the, the levels we need to be at we now have to be better than a than a fourth place team. We have to play at the level of a team that finishes second, but because of the level of competition, we might only finish fourth or fifth again. So it's it's there there are literally levels to this. Like like Spurs finishing fifth or fourth in a season and having a good season just means that the teams above them are monsters if they're all on fire right so it's it's getting it's getting things right once you have that platform that kind of baseline that and we don't have that at the minute because it's all kind of in disarray and it's an absolute mess philosophy identity players uh the the way the fans are feeling the way that the, the club are reacting to the fans it, it, it 
But the solutions are there. They're right in front of everybody. You just need to make the right decisions. And we're, we're back again. And, and, and you're right. We do have the players. Um, if we can keep hold of one or two, um, Kane especially. To go back to the game, I just wanted to... to <laughs> just wanted to go back to the, 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 the last few minutes, right? So Richarlison... You, you know I'm trying to swerve us away from this and you keep dragging me back. I know, mate. I just want to... just want unfair. To, very unfair. There's just two things I, I, I want to finish up on in terms of Liverpool. Um, Richarlison equalises, I think. I mean, I don't know whether he actually touched the ball, but let's, let's, he, he's been given the goal, right? There's not been a change in that. No, no, he definitely got on that. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's literally, he's, he's top of his head, uh, just about, we'll take it. Um, he did enough to put Alisson off anyway. He scores, he celebrates as he does, takes his shirt off again. This time, it's not disallowed. He has his moment, and obviously, football being football, thinks no, you cannot have that moment. <laughs> and Jota scores at the other end. Mora again, he's playing with the under twenty ones. He's barely playing. His mind is not with it. His his head's not with it. You know, his legs are not with it. Instead of booting the ball out or just just thinking about what he was doing, he plays a wild side ball, and the rest we don't need to relive that moment. But Jota probably shouldn't have been on the pitch. So a couple of questions for you, Adam. How you felt when Richie did score in that moment? And did you believe, like me, that we'd probably score a fourth? Because I I, I did. Oh, such a mug. And then um, what you thought of the red card incident? Because Mason retired. I know it wasn't a kick to the head, but Mason retired because of a head injury. You got Jota... And when you actually look at the steal, or when you look at it, whether it's slow-mo or, or in live action, he's got absolutely no right to be kicking that high up. It's dangerous play. And the excuse that, oh, it's accidental, well, surely everything is accidental unless you're Roy Keane. Hmm. Um, I thought it said a lot that in the Sky Studio you had Redknapp and Sooness sort of two allegedly Spurs people who love nothing more than to give Spurs a good kicking and they couldn't find anyone that would say it wasn't a red card um, and it you know we don't need to go over VAR and all that nonsense again I mean I don't mm. think it's a VAR issue the referee's right in front of it just get the decision right same as the penalty for so why uh, does he Kamal. get why does he not get it right then it's, it's obvious right it's blatant as obvious as it is I think we find ourselves in a position with VAR that referees are using the backstop of the technology to not make the decision because the technology can sort it out. But then the bar for the technology to overturn it is so high that you end up in this middle ground of it. the ref got it wrong and VAR's getting it wrong, but actually they're happy with the overall result, if that makes sense. Yes. And the problem with that is that it does allow, it does allow a lot. I'm not saying again, I'm not saying it's corruption, but corruption doesn't have to be people meeting in the dark alley in the green to to do something uh, and to conspire against anyone in particular. But you, you, like you said, you can make a conscious and or a subconscious decision not to make a decision in that moment because in that split second, you're right. You're thinking, well, if I've missed it, it get picked up. But then they don't pick it up because the referee obviously didn't see it as a problem. And then it just continues. So at what point is it corruption, complacency? At what point is it is it the system completely broken because it's influencing what's happening? But there will be games 
no doubt where the decision will go against the team. You know, the red card will come out. And that, that and again, I'm probably just making this up because it's the, the, the thing to say in this situation. Certain clubs will probably not get a red card and certain clubs would probably get a red card out of that incident. I mean, his foot was extremely high. He's kind of scarred Skip. I'm sure he's fine. Um, but you wouldn't have been on the pitch, and then the game, the, the game completely changes off the back of that incident. I know football is literally built of incidents and moments, and, and things get missed all over the all over the place. Again, I'm not saying that's why we lost the game, but you know it would have made a difference on the final outcome if they had done their job properly. And it's just it's just frustrating to see things like that play out because it, it kind of does render Richarlison's um, celebration and moment. Hmm you know completely redundant you know it's it, it, great that he's finally scored um Richie for me is like the poster boy for the season for Tottenham it's like <laughs> so much potential uh to do well so much desire to do well but no capacity to do any of that because of of just circumstance and I think Spurs have been held back by Conte by injuries um, and and by just believing that they are not as good as you know we believe them to be, and then believing too much into Conte's uh, rhetoric be, uh, in terms of you know Spurs being Spurs, um, and here we are, kind of looking ahead to another weekend, and not not many games left to go now. Um, let, let's just generally just you know you're talking about uh, we we kind of spoke about the attack. Um, been not not anything to to be concerned about because they 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 are extremely good. You got Harry Kane up front, um, but a bit of a renaissance. Son looking more of a player now. You know, just in terms of getting in amongst the goals. Um, anything that you're concerned about going into next season? I mean, in particular, Harry Kane. Um, I, I know this is this is probably the most boring podcast question that could be asked but and it seems to change from one week to the next but how are you reading the Kane situation does he stay does he go does he stay if Mason's appointed if uh, if Nagelsmann's appointed I think he'll stay unless the manager that gets brought in doesn't want him um, which would be a rather surprising and bold decision for any new manager to take given how good he is um, and how you would imagine he'd probably be the captain of the club next year if Lloris is going to go. Something that struck me um, in tw- on when Harry Redknapp left, we also in the same seat, the same summer, lost Ledley King, Van der Vaart and Luka Modric. And I think it left the real vacuum of influence and power at the club and in the squad that we struggled to fill for quite a while um, from a leadership standpoint. And mm. I think Spurs would be very, very foolish for a number of reasons to sell Kane. But whilst I know that people mock the idea of you know the players' committee and, and, and things like that and who's on it, I don't think you want to be losing too many big characters or, or big players in the same summer. And if Lloris goes... Whatever I think of him, you know, as a guy, he's clearly hugely popular amongst the team, has been captain for best part of a decade. Getting rid of that and Kane in the same summer, um, for a number of reasons, you know, changes the club 
entirely but i think even from inside the inside the dressing room maybe the kind of thing that's just not not even worth it even if it was the right thing to do which i don't think it is yeah you, you're right just in in terms of you know I, I know we were talking about how easy it is to fix everything obviously it isn't it isn't that easy in principle i mean time is required you know whether it, the decision that the club needs to make it, let's say they appointed ryan mason would the fan base be ready to 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 do what Arsenal did with Arteta and give him a couple of seasons of finishing eighth before things kind of kick in or do we once more try and fix everything really quickly but if we're going to try and fix everything really quickly with a Nagelsmann then that's probably going to work in the short term as well as the long term so it's one of those kind of decision decisions but to do that Nagelsmann also needs to know that he's got a a kind of starting pack like a a welcome pack of sorts that you know Mm. he's got Kane and Son and he's got these players that are coming back from injuries, you know, we, we forget Basuma and Bentoncourt, you know, just, they, 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 I mean, Basuma never really got started for Spurs, but there's a player there as well that was being sure. told to play away that was, again, detrimental to what he's good at. And then Bentoncourt was absolute silk for us. And he's, he's a dimension to the midfield that we do not have. Um, and we might need an extra dimension, a bit of a creative player chucked in there as well. So, what was my point, Adam? I've done I've done a spooky thing again, uh, where I've gone around the houses to get to a very simple conclusion. I've just completely train wrecked myself. Well, I'll like say one, I'll say one more thing about the attack. Um, in the league this season, Sun has scored in eight different matches because he's got ten goals. One of them was was, was a hat trick. Four of them were before Conte was sacked, and four of them have come since Conte was sacked. Um, so. The idea that Son had lost anything more, in my opinion, than a bit of confidence because of how he was playing uh, and where he was playing under Conte, I think, is um, greatly overstated. And uh, it look, Son had to prove it that he yeah. wasn't a player that had lost it. But I think you know, three goals in his last, well, four goals in his last six since Conte was sacked. Um, when he's been playing in much more recognisable positions, uh, that's another big positive to go into next season because, um, as you say, any manager that can start off with Kane and Son on top form is starting from a very, very handy foundation. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's good, it's good to see to see what we've... Well, it's not great to see what we've missed because if if we played more on the front foot all season and, and, and Son didn't have his back to, 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 to go all, all of the time and having to drop deep things might have turned out a little bit differently because we could have still been awful in defence and, and, and still smashed most teams um, uh, I say most teams but uh, not not all teams uh, talking of smashing teams we've got Crystal Palace on Saturday how do you see this one going then because it now feels like we've had the United game you know 2-0 down we're back in it Liverpool game 3-0 down probably deserve well we deserve the point we could have was probably deserved all three to be fair based on that second half lose the game in dramatic fashion someone needs to get a walloping <laughs> I mean and, and Palace have kind of rejuvenated themselves a little bit too you know um, they were a complete mess couldn't 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 buy a shot on goal uh, at one point and, and, and now under Hodgson they're, you know they're at the the, uh, the relegation fight Um how do you see it? How do you see it? You don't have to predict scoreline because we never get that right. We usually <laughs> jinx it. But um, what are you expecting atmosphere-wise? What are you expecting um, in terms of performance? 
I'm expecting uh, the team to come out with the right mindset and the crowd to feed off that. Um, Palace, with their win on Saturday, have really cemented their status because they've jumped from 37 to 40 points. And I can imagine that, you know, going into the game last weekend against West Ham, there were, you know, the odd glance over their shoulder. Hmm. Uh, whereas now, obviously, they're above Chelsea, they're above Bournemouth. Yeah, there's no, there's no hint that they could be. Um, relegated now so perhaps that will weigh on their mind that you know that their job is done for the season we are nominally still fighting for something I think it's going to be a real struggle to to get into the Europa League space unless we pretty much win our last four games um, so no time like the present in starting and hopefully the, the players are motivated enough to go out there um, and if they do and if they play on the front foot I think the fans will really feed off that as they did in the second half against Man United Um and it could be a good afternoon. I'm not going to be there because of work, which is annoying. But um, oh. yeah, which is really frustrating because I actually want to go to Spurs again, which is uh, makes a nice change. Um, <laughs> I think but, I'm the uh, only person from my group. I think I think one other person's going, but he's taking his sister. Everyone else sold their ticket weeks ago, um, uh, which is unfortunate. But everyone's there for the last game of the season. Where I can't drink because I need to drive afterwards. So that's a bit <laughs> of a, a dis- yeah, that's a bit of a disappointment. So I'm not sure how that. That that's going to work out for me on the day, but um, yeah, and then it's the summer, Adam. Like, what are we going to do, mate? I mean, it's it's kind of. I know what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to just do a series of podcasts where we we kind of look at games and and players and, and other bits and pieces just to get us through. I'm sure the summer's going to be extremely busy for everyone. Um, but look, we're going to leave it there for the normal pod. So if you're listening on all on all podcast platforms, uh, thanks for downloading. Thanks for the support. If you're listening on Patreon, uh, this is going to continue uh, for a little bit longer. We're going to just cover a few more bits and pieces. Um, so, Adam, you can say goodbye to the, the listeners over there. Thank you very much. <laughs>